The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. If we could turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I wasn't planning on speaking. I had a couple of messages I was thinking about speaking. And I believe the Lord is laying upon my heart here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. And we'll pray. Father, we do need your spirit to enlighten us, to illuminate the scripture, so that we would understand your word accurately. And Lord, there are so many people that misunderstand you and others who claim to be teachers of the word of God that's that aren't teaching your word accurately and even misleading people. But Father, help us, Lord, to see what you would have us to see, to hear what you would have us to hear. And your word says, let him have ears let him hear. And I pray more than just being a hearer, help us to be doers. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Second um, Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. And this message, I don't know if you want to say it's controversial or not controversial. I'm not here to be controversial. But of course, when Jesus was here... He had the Pharisees and Sadducees and the religious leaders, they thought Jesus was being very controversial, didn't they? And they thought Jesus was a troublemaker. And we're not here to be controversial for the sake of just starting problems. We're not here to be troublemakers. But we live in a world that calls evil good and good evil. Right? Is that right? And so when we stand for truth, they're going to turn everything around upside down. In fact, they were going to claim that we're trying to turn the world upside down. When the world is already upside down, we're trying to turn it right side up. Amen? But here's, here's something that, who, who's, uh, if someone could help me finish this statement, who says, by their fruits ye shall know them. And I've had people that claim to be my Bible professors that says that we're not fruit inspectors, we just sow the seed. Well, I'm sorry, but what seed are you sowing? Jesus says, by their fruits, ye shall know them. You know, you look at a tree, how do you know what, kind of, what type of fruit tree it is? By the fruit. You know if it's an apple tree, an orange tree, peach, pear, is that right? You know, our, our last Sunday in Beijing, it wasn't exactly what we, we thought it would be. I wasn't expecting the church to give us a big farewell because I'm still the pastor, remotely. But I, there was a, a, a sister at our church that was very, very upset when I would even dare question her husband's salvation. And she, she was irate. Uh, we were in the master bedroom, which we converted into... Well, we did convert into a Sunday school classroom. Right now, it's used for one of our widows whose house burned down um, on April 14th. Uh, when Justice April were baptized, it was Charity's third birthday. And uh, 
But that master bedroom was converted to a Sunday school room, and we, we met in there, and she was just irate. I mean, she was, she was uh, the whole church could hear in our little house church. And the rest of the people in our church family were thinking, you know, this is their last Sunday. They're going to be going back to, they're going to go to America. And they said, you know, I, um, I don't remember anyone, uh, in, we had another sister in our church who, who's our bookkeeper. She says, I've been a believer for, I forget, she's been a believer for about a decade. And she says, I don't ever remember anyone talking to the pastor that way. And, and I, I thank God she, 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 um, she came, she visited us on Monday, and we left on a Wednesday. And, and she spent about, over, over about three hours with Joyce, helping us pack a little bit. And, and she, she apologized for, for, for her attitude. Um, look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5, it says here in verse number 14. 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 14. It says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. What is the greatest motivation for us as far as doing things. A lot of people who are religious, they're motivated by fear. They're afraid they haven't done enough. You look at people that um, pass out their different religious literatures or they go out from door to door and they're afraid if they didn't do enough good works in preaching whatever message they think is the truth. What are they afraid of? They're afraid that if I don't knock on the next door, if I don't give another piece of literature from the watchtower, if I didn't do this, then I didn't do enough. Is that, is that true? They're afraid. They're motivated by fear. You have another group uh, out there, these, um, the Latter-day Saints, and when they go on a mission trip and they have to, it's, it's, it's required of them, they have to go on a mission trip, these Mormon missionaries, they're motivated by fear. They have to do it. If they don't do it, their God, their religious system, it, they're going to think, oh, you're, you're, not, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing here. But here, God says, the love of Christ, it compels us. It constrains us. Why? Because if we understand God's judgment, boy, all of us are under his judgment. Because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We didn't, short, we didn't come short of the glory of man. I'm not talking about man's standards here. I'm not talking about man's laws and rules. Whether it is um, the moral law or some law uh, of the land there or religious laws, but we've fallen short of God's glory. But what happened here? It says here that he died for all. Praise the Lord for that. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Why do we want to live for Jesus Christ? Is it out of fear? Or motivated by fear or motivated by love? I hope that as I've come back to requit my parents, that I'm doing it out of a heart of love, not because I feel obligated or I feel like I have to. You know, although my parents didn't give me a, a Christian upbringing, they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't know the Lord. But they did what they could when they left Hong Kong. And pray for Hong Kong. Hong Kong was a mess. Hong Kong was a huge mess. But when they left Hong Kong in 1976, 
They're trying to fulfill the American dream. They're trying to give themselves a, a better a quality of life. And they, and they did what they could. And I, and, I, and I don't talk to them a lot, but when I think about all they left, when they left Hong Kong to come here, it wasn't easy for them. All they sacrificed. But I hope I'm coming back to say, look, I, I want to, not I, oh, I have to. I fear what family thinks. I fear what my, my aunt and uncle thinks. I feel, you know, why am I out in, in China and, and I don't care about my own parents? But I hope it's not just fear. Amen? I hope someday my children, if we raise them right, that they will love us and that when we get a little older and Social Security fails, if, well, I hope it doesn't, but if it does, that they, 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 they'd want to requit their parents. They want to pay back their parents. They, they want to take care of us. Motivated by love, Amen. But what is our love for them in comparison to what, how Jesus love, loves us? He died. The wages of sin is death. Death. But he died for them and rose again. And notice, look at verse 16, as I look at the, the time here. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh... Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. What is that saying there? Sounds a little bit confusing and worrying there. In essence, in verse 16, what is it saying there? Do you remember when Jesus asked his disciples, Whom do ye think that I, the Son of Man, am? Remember how some people, they thought Jesus was John the Baptist? No, I'm sorry. Um, they, they thought he was John the Baptist. They thought he was Elijah. They thought they would hear some other prophet. Is that right? He says, well, who do you think I am? This idea of not knowing him in the flesh, a lot of people know Jesus Christ. Oh, he was a good man. He was a good teacher. He was a good prophet. Even some historians would say that. Amen? They haven't been enlightened. They haven't been transformed. They haven't been born again. They don't have a renewed mind. And so when they think of Jesus, they think, oh, he was a good prophet, a good religious uh, 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 teacher. And they, they stop there. Even the Muslims will say he was a good man, a good prophet, a good person. Is that right? But here it says, the Paul says, for those who know him, has been transformed by his love, who's repented toward God, placed their faith in Jesus Christ. We don't know him no more in the flesh, after the flesh, according to the flesh. But look at verse 17 here. Therefore, if any man, this is, that's a good qualifier, if, if any man be in Christ, he is, what is he? He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. It's a powerful statement there. It doesn't leave any room for us to doubt. Now, you know, he might be a new, new creature. No, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What does that mean? A person who professes Jesus Christ, can you really tell whether they are in Christ? Yes or no? You know, we live in a world today that has cheapened the gospel. We were in a church a, a couple of weeks ago um, that 
I'm thankful that they have math camps. I know it's summertime, and, and they had a math camp. And they were excited that 29 people got saved at math camp. And I heard that. I said, ooh, hold on. You're teaching them math, and how do you go from math and transition into the gospel? And how do you know 20 people got saved? Because you told them how wonderful heaven is. Do you want to go and just pray the Spirit and ask Jesus to come to your heart? I've had so many family members have done that, been there, done that, and they are not in Christ. In fact, I was guilty of that for a long time until the Lord began to allow me to, to grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does the word behold mean in verse 17? Behold, we don't use that word a lot today, but doesn't that mean, look, you can see it, right? Look, behold, look at this, look and see, behold, it's something you can see. Verse 18, and all things are of God who hath reconciled to us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. What is our ministry? You know, do we use that word a lot, reconciliation, reconcile? Is that, used, uh, is that word used a lot in 21st century America? What does it mean to reconcile? Bring together, why do you need to bring something together? Okay, and what caused that separation? It's not a reunion because I'm working in one area, we work in another area, we've moved, and then now we've, we've come back together as a family reunion. But why was there a separation? Because of sin. And who is being reconciled with whom? Okay, here, and this is, the wording here is very important here. It says in verse number 18, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and given, us, given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Does God need to reconcile with us? No, he does not. We had a young man in Beijing who wrote a track, and then he, um, he printed out a bunch, and, and I started looking at the track, and then he, the wording was... was God reconciled him. Uh, 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 he, he, he worded the wrong way. He says, God reconciled uh, us to, or himself to us. I thought, whoa, 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 whoa. That, that wording is wrong. Our relationship was broken not because God sinned. Is that right? God didn't destroy the relationship with man. It was man that destroyed the relationship with God through sinning against God for no good reason. So I said, no, you need to change this. The wording is wrong here. Okay? We need to get reconciled with God. God doesn't need to reconcile with us. But you see, in, uh, for I don't know how long now, I haven't done a survey or, or research, but there is, there's a gospel, a man-centered gospel today that's it's, it's become very, very popular. And you see it here in this country, in North America. You see it all around the world now. And I even hear people, uh, some in, in their, the, the elderly, the senior saints, where they always focus on, believe on Jesus, have eternal life. Believe on Jesus, have eternal life. Believe on Jesus, have eternal life. I hear people even on the trains there in China sometimes. They're walking around. 
They're on a train or on a subway. Believe Jesus, trust Jesus, have eternal life. Trust Jesus, have eternal life. Very, very shallow. And you know this idea about eternal life? Yeah, that's wonderful. But they need to understand why there's even death to begin with. Adam and Eve never have to worry about dying, did they? When they God says when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of evil, if you do this, you're going to surely die. The wages of sin is death. The reason why there is death is because of sin. So, this idea about eternal life, this idea about, hey, believe in Jesus, have eternal life, go to heaven. And I hear this everywhere. You see tracks, you see websites, everywhere. Are you 100% sure, are you, 100% sure you go to heaven? All right? It's almost like the, the way to try to get people to hear the gospel is what does man get? We get to go to heaven. We get eternal life. That is, I'm sorry, but that is not a Christ-centered gospel. That is a man-centered gospel. It is what does man get? And not only that, you know, I remember another evangelist says this, who doesn't want to go to heaven? Even Satan wants to go to heaven. Lucifer wants to go to heaven. But when he gets to heaven, he doesn't want to worship God when he gets there. And I guarantee you, there's a lot of these professing Christians worldwide who name the name of Jesus Christ, have I not cast out devils in thy name and in thy name done many wonderful works? What does Jesus say? Depart from me, ye that work in equity. I never knew you. So I'm not impressed with 29 saved at a math camp because they say a sinner's prayer. Our ministry of reconciliation is this. Look at verse number 19. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the word unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So we have a ministry. We have the word. What is that word? The Bible, the word of God. I don't want to hear people say, I was touched because I heard Amazing Grace sung. And that, 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 that song just so touched me. And I've heard testimonies about how that song just, oh, how that just blessed my heart. And I became a Christian because of Amazing Grace. I love the words. Beautiful song. But it's the word of God, amen? Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Now we that are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he had made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So our ministry is not going out and say, if you die today, are you 100% sure you go to heaven? If you die today, do you know if you have eternal life? Our ministry is, as Joyce would say to uh, sister, her, her English name is Emily, it's like, hey, you've been going to church for about five years now. When did you realize you're a sinner and you need Jesus Christ to be your Savior? And that question bothered her. You know, you ask the average person today on the streets or even the church, and it's, it's, it can be very scary when you find out what people believe. But really, I mean, we should ask. There's, there's probably, uh, it's sad to say, I don't know, but I believe there's probably even, I mean, I think of this couple here that's now in our church, you know, for, for five years going to different churches, even that Zion Church of a Thousand, they're teaching Sunday school, and, and the brother, whom I, I'll just give him the English name of Stephen, 
didn't even know he was a sinner. And he's teaching Sunday school. But they ask him, really, what is your hope? What are you believing? Why do you believe? <clears throat> Reconciled. Um, but here's the, the challenge, which was difficult. How do people, or how do they even understand that they need to be reconciled with God? How does it work? How will people know that the relationship with God was absolutely destroyed, it's broken, they're separated from God? How will they know this? The word of reconciliation. Look with me to Isaiah chapter 50, 59, Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59. Now these verses we're familiar with, but as we realize we're ambassadors for Christ. We have a ministry of reconcili reconciliation and we have the word of reconciliation. Reconciliation. But say, that, say that five times. Reconciliation. It's a challenging word there. Isaiah 59. In Isaiah 59, it tells us here, verse 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. So what separates people from God? Sin and iniquity. Well, what is sin? See, like I said, this is really important because people have their own definitions of what sin is. Okay? People would, would say that we're unloving because we would say that God, we're made in God's image and likeness. In the image of God created he, male and female created he them. Is that right? Male and female created he them. I don't choose whether I'm a male or female. Is that right? I mean, do I choose? I don't choose that. But they say, oh, you're unloving. We're, we're, we've been condemned of hate speech. But you see, we, I, I'm not worried about coming short of the glory of man. People need to be concerned that they come, they fall, they've come short of the glory of God. Amen? So what is the glory of God? What is the standard? First John, First John there, and verse, uh, chapter 3, verse number 4. First John 3, verse number First John 3, verse number 4. It says here, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Now what law is this? It's not anything in America or Chinese law, but it is the law of God. Is that right? 
you know, this past week I was involved in vacation Bible school. And, you know, it's very, very interesting how you see children no different than Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Uh, I had a young uh, seven-year-old named Gracie, and uh, there was another six-year-old. Let's see, his name was, I'm trying to remember the name. There was Gracie, there was Keone, and uh, another, another uh, young boy, six years old, named Micah. And all throughout the whole week, they kept talking about their older brother, their older brother, their older brother. And uh, Adam and Eve, what do they always do? Well, you know, God, you gave me this woman. And Eve says, well, hey, it's a serpent. And I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to, to address your older brother. Your older brother is another class. <laughs> okay? Right now, the word of God is speaking to you. And uh, in, I think it's chapter 3 as well. Look at chapter 3. Look at verse number 15. Chapter 3, verse number 15 there in First John. First John 3, verse number 15. And I asked this in, in Vacation Bible School. The week, that, that week we were discussing uh, about Jonah. So we studied Jonah all throughout the week there. In First John chapter 3, verse number 15, it says, Whosoever hated his brother is a murderer, and ye, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So I asked him, I said, well, you always talk about your older brother. And I asked him, I said, has there been a time in your life where you actually were so angry you hated your brother? Oh, yeah. Many times. And I said, you know, um, I, I didn't say this, but according to what God says here is, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. I mean, that's what the Bible says. So I don't want to keep hearing about how your brother misbehaves. And then I asked him, I said, well, have you ever lied before? Um, yeah, a bunch of times. And I said, well, if you're a liar, uh, or if you lie, what are you? I said, I'm a liar. So in God's sight, you are a liar and you're a murderer. And I asked him, are you concerned about that? And some of those six, seven-year-olds, well, just a little bit. Are they ready to realize you need to be reconciled with God? Maybe not yet. But I'm not going to guilt trip them. It's not my job, amen? It's God's that's going to work in them, reprove them of sin, righteousness, and judgment, amen? Okay, I need to be a faithful messenger, preaching the right message, the word of reconciliation. And so this week at Vacation Bible School, we didn't have any records of salvation. But we want to preach the word of God faithfully, amen? But you know, here in chapter... Three here. I want you to draw attention to chapter three as well. Okay, remember, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, notice here in chapter three here, <clears throat> verse five, and, and, you, and you know that he was manifested, that's Jesus, to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. That's a Strong warning. Don't let people deceive you, lie to you, trick you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, this is very clear, this is the purpose, this is the reason, this is the purpose, the Son of God was manifested. This is why you see the, the incarnation, amen? That he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin, because he is born of God. 
In this, the children of God are what? Manifest. Okay, made visible, clear, known, clearly seen. And the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. Okay, so, why, why was Jesus manifested? What, what was his purpose in coming here? I'm sorry? Okay, was it just to save us from the lake of fire, to give us eternal life in heaven? And that's it? No, he came here to save us from our sins. And also to do what? To destroy the works of the devil. Verse number 8. And notice verse 10. The children of God and the children of the devil. Can we tell them apart? Yes or no? Can we tell the children of President Trump and former President Obama? Can, can we tell the children apart? I mean, do, they, do their kids look alike? Does Pastor Smith's children and, and my, uh, my children, do they look alike? Do they speak the same language? I mean, it should be very, very evident and clear who are God's children, who are not. And, boy, I've been, I've been accused of controversy, of saying, you have no right to judge. You're not God, you're not the Holy Spirit. I'm not a fruit inspector, I just sow the seed. I'm sorry, but what seed are you sowing? What fruit are you producing? Now, a, a Christian, are they sinless? Have you met a sinless Christian? I've never met a sinless Christian. But if you take the part sinless, I believe a Christian should sin less. Do you agree? Why? Because this is the work of God. Amen? It's because he saved us from sin, so we, should, we could live, we could be like him. And who's God? He's holy. Be ye holy as he is holy. Amen? Everything should change. Our desires should change. We should hunger and thirst after righteousness and be filled and be satisfied in him. Amen? So I am appalled, I am just, it's, it's upsetting when people do not understand this doctrine. And they think that well, we're not preaching a work salvation, amen? We're not saved by works, but we're saved unto good works. Okay, let me say that again. We're not saved by works, but we're saved unto good works. What does it say that? Ephesians, go to Ephesians. Ephesians, chapter 2. And if you ask me about this sister's husband, do I believe he's a Christian? I still have my doubts. I'm not the Holy Spirit, I have my doubts. Um, we've, we've, uh, we have a requirement in our church. If you want to join our church, you want to sign our church covenant, our doctrinal statement, you need to write out your testimony. Because there's so many people in our world that they know all the, all the Christian 
terminology, the Christian lingo, the Christian jargon. I mean, they have a lot of the vocabulary down. But when I see his life, I don't see any fruit that God has changed his life. And, I, and he's been coming to our house church for three years. I'm not, I'm not saying, and I was telling his, his wife, I said, I, I, I'm not observing his life for three hours, for three days, for three months, or three weeks, three months. Uh, he's been coming for three years. And I said to him, look, if you want to be a part of this church, you can keep coming, but if you want to come and join and be more active, uh, you need to write your t- salvation testimony. And I gave, and I challenged, and I encouraged our church family to do this about two years ago. And after two years, he still has not written his salvation testimony. And I kept saying, you know, I don't, I don't plan to write an autobiography of my life, but if, if I need to write something, I'll write my salvation testimony at least. So people could read about it. My, my family and friends are in America and Hong Kong and China could read about it. For two years, he's never, he hasn't written his salvation testimony. Down. And when he finally turned it in, I'll share this before we go and have lunch, okay? When he finally turned in his testimony, he turned this in about two weeks before we left, of why he his, his believed upon God, his faith in God, it had nothing to do with salvation from sin. Nothing whatsoever. Nothing. And he turned in this homework assignment from the pastor two years late. And there was nothing about salvation from sin. So I have my doubts, and I'm concerned. Amen. I'm sorry, what what, what did I tell you to turn to? Ephesians, thank you. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10. And most, fortunately, churches today don't emphasize verse 10. They only, they leave out verse 10. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we're not saved because of, of religious works and deeds. We know that. But look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. When God saves us, he transforms us. He changes our lives. We're a new creature. And all the good that we do, if it's good in, in the eyes of God, it's all because of his grace, amen? And he compels us by his love to, to want to live for him. Not, oh, I have to live for him, but I want to live for him. It's all his work. God ordained this, that we should walk in them, amen? And so this is, this is not a new doctrine. That whom God saves, he radically changes. Aren't you glad that he saved you and me and, and how he's changing our lives? Amen? And, he, and he's still working on us, this process of sanctification. He's changing us to be more and more like him. So 
So if there are people that you've known who used to go to church, they stopped going to church, there might be some reasons. And it might not be they're backslidden or they need encouragement. It's a possibility that they need a new birth. Amen? And I remember this, this, uh, this dear sister, um, Sister Lee. You know, I, I told her my brother's experience. My brother prayed a sinner's prayer uh, when he was about nine years old or so. And I remember the day before he stopped quitting church altogether, he took the Bible and he ripped it apart in front of me. And I was frightened. I was, I don't know, seven years old or so. And I thought lightning and thunder was going to strike. And uh, Sister Lee, who still needs to mature, she says, Oh, I'm so sorry that your brother lost his salvation. I said, No, my brother never lost salvation. You can't lose something you, you never had. He didn't lose his salvation. He never had salvation. Because he that begun a good work in you will finish, will finish it on the day of Jesus Christ. He is the author. He is the finisher of our faith. Amen? So this is not a new doctrine. But it's a neglected doctrine. It's a, it's a doctrine that we need to emphasize. If we're to be the ambassador for Christ, to reconcile this lost world unto him by Christ Jesus. We have a ministry, amen? And we have a word. It's not a man-centered gospel. Hopefully it's Christ-centered. People need to be reconciled. Amen? They need to know the law. They, they've fallen short of his glory. They've sinned. And they need the Savior. So, be a fruit inspector and sow the right seed. Amen? Let's stand. Stand for closing prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for redeeming us. We used to be workers of iniquity. We used to be sinners with no hope, helpless. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love. We do understand, Lord. The greatest, the greatest motivation in life isn't being motivated by fear, but of love. And you've given us not a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. You want your love to constrain us, because if we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Thank you, dear God, you saved us from sin, from being a child of the devil, to be a child of God, so we could be your ambassadors. Help us to be faithful. Help us, Lord, to realize the ministry you've given to us. It's reconciliation. The world needs to be reconciled with God because they broke fellowship. They destroyed the relationship with God through sin. And they need the Savior, Jesus Christ. They need to repent and realize that God's not happy with us. Lord, your wrath abides on the unbeliever. Lord, help us to use the word of reconciliation effectively with the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Lord, help us as we minister the gospel to our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other most parts of the, of the earth. Lord, there may be those who used to come to church and they stopped coming. Lord, they didn't lose their salvation. Maybe they never had it. It could be Sunday school teachers. It could be nursery workers, choir members. Lord, help us to realize what they need. They don't need encouragement to get back in the faith. They need, to, they need the gospel. They need to get in the faith because they were never in it. Lord, give us discernment. Give us wisdom. Help us to be full of grace and truth just like our Lord Jesus Christ. We love you. We thank you that you first loved us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.